0: if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1, turn there with you, in 1517, Martin Luther posted his 95 Thesis to the door of the Wittenberg Church. And it was in that lionized moment that the so-called Protestant Reformation began. So what was it that Luther was protesting? He was protesting a church that had said that it was the sole power over the spiritual lives of its people. That no one could get to God apart from them. Now, this may not have troubled Luther so much if he felt like the church's teachings, which allowed them to rule over the lives of the people, were supported by the scriptures. As it is, they were not. You see, for an entire millennium, Christians had lived and died doing whatever the church told them to do. And I believe that the church traded the authority that was given to them by Jesus himself or worldly power. One of the concepts that Luther became so famous for, as he protested what he believed were the abuses of the church, he became known for what is called the priesthood of all believers. Now, he didn't coin the phrase himself. It was something attached later. But the concept was that Jesus is the sole mediator between God and man, and that each man, woman, and child could commune with God at any place, at any time. Now, he based this concept on some passages, if you're taking notes this morning, that you might want to write down. One of those would be 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where it is said that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation unto God, that each one of us is a priest now in God's divine economy if we know Jesus Christ. Also, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, speaks of the fact that there is but one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. And of course, if you want a longer theological approach to this concept of Jesus as the sole mediator, you can check out uh, Hebrews chapter 7. In other words, Luther argued, based on scripture, that relationship to Jesus was not limited to the activities of the church. And of course, Luther also promoted a couple other scandalous ideas like salvation by grace through faith and the idea that all of us should have a Bible to read in our own language and that we could share in the interpreting of the Bible. Scandalous for the time. These freeing concepts revolutionized the way people viewed the church. And as you might surmise, if you're really thinking about it, as the priesthood of the believer waxed or grew got bigger or grander in the minds of people, the authority of the church in the lives of people waned. Can you see how that would happen? The more you say the church is about me and my relationship to God, the church and its authority over my life begins to go like this. The concept of the church triumphant has been replaced by me and my Jesus theology. And as we noted last week, because of some of these trends and the way people have misinterpreted the scriptures from the Protestant uh, Reformation onward, the church has very little to no authority in the lives of people today. Far from being authoritative, it is something chosen like a restaurant or a weekend destination. Which one shall I choose? And will I decide to travel this weekend or stay home? But our goal today partnering with our message from last week, is to reestablish the church not as a worldly oppressive power in your life, but, as we believe the scriptures teach, as a healthy spiritual authority in your life. Now, if that's a problem for you, you're going to have to reference last week's message. And I know some of you were not here, and I encourage you to go back And read that because we are building towards something today, and last week was setting the stage. Are you turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1? Let's read verses 17 and following. Paul to the Ephesians. I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come... And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, we're going to focus on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and following. If you would like to hear an exposition of those previous verses, you can go on our website, www.vlchurch.com, and you can catch 17 through 21, if you will, in that particular message. The reason I read that entire thing to you was merely to set the stage, if you will, for the last couple of verses that we're going to focus on this morning. The first thing I want us to notice from verse 20 is God has done an incredible thing in resurrecting Jesus from the dead. I just want you to think about that for just a moment. God has done an incredible thing in resurrecting Jesus from the dead. If we don't have that as our context, to read the rest of this passage is meaningless. If we don't have the idea that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, and that is an important concept... We can't read the rest of this with any kind of truthfulness in terms of our interpretation. Now, you might wonder, what does this resurrection of the dead thing have to do with? Obviously, we know that his death covered our sins because of who he was as the perfect lamb of God, the sacrifice that covered our sins. Well, I just want to remind us of the concept of the resurrection this morning, and perhaps as we enter into Easter month here in a a few days, you will have this concept in the back of your mind, but the idea that Jesus was sinless and the idea that Jesus was perfectly obedient to the Father means something very simple in God's divine economy. Jesus couldn't stay dead. He couldn't stay dead. If the wages of sin is death, then the wages of sinlessness is life forevermore. All right? And so Jesus in his sinlessness and, and his perfect obedience made it possible for resurrection for the dead to be attained not only for himself, but for us as well. As his death and his resurrection is that which makes us justified before God. All right? Sounds pretty much like the gospel, doesn't it? I mean, that's the gospel. So we can't read the rest of this passage unless the context in which it was written is in the bubble of the gospel. Okay? Now let's talk about the church. God, the, the passage here says that God placed all things under the authority of Jesus Christ, all things in heaven and on earth, because Jesus did what he was meant to do. He was perfectly obedient, perfectly sinless, and he was redeeming the world because of those things. And God put all things under his feet, and according to verse 22, he did this for the church. Let's read it, verse 22. And he has put all things under his feet, and has made him head over all things for the church. And that's the concept that we really were preaching and working towards last week in Jesus' own words about the church. This concept that in Christ and his eternal mission, the church is central now. For those of you who are dispensationalists, we are in the age, for you, of the church. Now, if you don't know what dispensationalist means, uh, you can talk to Gary. Gary, you'll be ready to fill him in, right? But uh, we're in the age of the church now. The church is, is the working agent of Christ on this earth. Everybody cool with that concept? With that said, Paul takes it a step further, and this should make us a bit uncomfortable. Verse 23. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The fullness of Christ, the fullness, the essence of Jesus Christ is manifested where? In the church. In the church. Now, I, I, I read this and I thought, oh, Paul, you've gone too far. Somebody has misinterpreted this. You cannot mean that the church is fully if you will the essence of Jesus on earth. You can't mean that, Paul. So I went to the Greek and I looked at it and I thought, boy, it looks like it says that we're his fullness. <laughs> and then I read translation after translation after translations, people far smarter than I am, who spend their life studying the Greek and trying to translate the scriptures in accordance with how it was originally written down, and guess how they translated it? The same. That the church is the fullness of the work of Christ on earth. That should give us pause for just a minute boy, with all our spots and blemishes, if you will, with with all of of our interpretive uh, uh, issues, with the fact that one church does it different than the other, one church focuses on that and one church focuses on the other. All of those concepts wrapped up into one, but yet, Paul has the, the, the guts to say what Jesus intended back in Matthew 16 and 18 that we preached last week, that the church has the authority of Christ on the earth today. All of it. All of it. Now, Why do I bring that up this morning? Well, I bring it up in concert with last week because I want to mention that in regards to what we just talked about with the priesthood of all believers. While spiritual connection to God is the prerogative of all, are you catching that? Priesthood of all believers. While spiritual connection to God is the prerogative of all, the authority of Christ on earth is invested in the church, not not in an individual In the church. So for those of you last week who had come out of Catholicism and was afraid I was preaching popery, and I don't mean the smell. It wasn't that. I'm not preaching popery. I'm I'm saying that, that the authority of Christ has been invested in the community that is the Church of Jesus Christ, not in the individual. Connection to God is given to all through the mediatorship of Jesus Christ, but the authority of God is invested in the church. Are you seeing the difference? Do you see how by the time we get to modern day America from the Protestant Reformation that we have gone from the extreme of the church being the all in all in people's life and the only spiritual authority that has any kind of say all the way to the priesthood of the believer which could now be called the the beasthood of the believer because it makes crazy people out of Christians because they think, well the entire authority of Jesus Christ is invested in me. Not any kind of church authority. And that's where we stand in our nation today. That's where the Christian church stands in parts of Europe. That's where the Christian church stands in parts of Asia and parts of Africa and parts of Australia. You see, the Protestant Reformation took us to the other extreme. Where we took the priesthood of the believer to mean that the entire authority of my spiritual life rests in me. As opposed to where we were before the Protestant Reformation, the entire authority of my spiritual life is invested through and in the church. But we're talking about apples and oranges here. Apple being that the church should be an or the authority in the lives of a believer. And the orange being but each one of us, through the glorious work of Jesus Christ, has the ability to commune with God. They should be like this, not like this. They should be convergent, not divergent concepts. The question then becomes, what do I do? Because my entire life, I have been taught that the individual authority of my spiritual life is invested in me. But I want to remind you... That the apostles whom Jesus gave the authority to bind and loose, to have the authority over the direction of Jesus' people moving forward, could not construct a Christianity apart from the church. According to scripture, the authority of the church is expansive, while the individual authority is only authoritative insofar as it is invested in the church. Did you catch that? Maybe I'll try to say that in not such a run-on sentence. Your individual authority in Christ is a great thing. You have authority to call what is, is, and what is not, not. You have the authority to say, I have spoken with the Lord. You have the authority to use your gifts that the Lord has given you, insofar as it's under the authority of the church, under the authority of the community. Because you being your own authority, well, That's a problem as far as Scripture is concerned. Why do you think the Scriptures over and over again call us to unity? Why do you think the the Apostles over and over again says, everybody, I need you to agree with one another and work together on this thing? Because the church and the kingdom of God are directed towards our unity in working towards a glorious church from Ephesians chapter 5. The church triumphant, a victorious church. You as an individual can't get much done. Us as a group... We can accomplish a lot for the kingdom of God. The Apostle John had the audacity to say in chapter 1, verse 3 of 1 John, these words. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you might also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now leave that up there for me, Pete. Shouldn't those be juxtaposed? In, in, in our modern day theology, shouldn't, shouldn't the colon and the words above it be below and the words below it be above? That we have proclaimed these things to you, that you can have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, and truly your fellowship can also be with us? Do you see what John has done here? John has made a statement, and if you read the rest of 1 John, you're recognizing that there has been people who have stepped out from under the authority of the church and begun to say, you know what, I have knowledge, I have power, I have ability that is is beyond anybody else that's going to the church that I'm going to right now. So I'm going to step out of here. And John writes that letter in opposition to that idea. And John has the audacity to say, you know what, we have proclaimed the gospel to you so that you can have fellowship with us, the church, like this. And then you know that you have fellowship with Jesus and fellowship with the Father. How dare he? Apparently, Luther and John were not talking to one another, right? How dare he say that if you have fellowship with the church, then you know that you have fellowship with the Father? Because this individualistic, rugged Christianity that has been shoved on us since the time that we were born is not the picture of the New Testament church. It simply isn't. And thank you, Pete. You could take that down. It's not at all. It's meant to say that through our community, we can we can get to a place where we're where we're close to Christ or we're growing towards Christ. You as an individual, by that statement, and you can read the rest of First John, are limiting yourself outside the church, but the church is that in which the authority of God is is bestowed. So in essence today, whatever church that you attend, whatever church that you go to, should have a concept that what we are doing is performing the acts of Jesus Christ and promulgating the kingdom of Jesus Christ right where we're at. Now we talked about that last week, and that's why I really hope that if you missed last week, you go back and listen to this message, that message. Because what we're talking about here is a connection between the church and the kingdom of God. That the the church is the place where the kingdom of God is played out. The church is the place where the kingdom of God is played out. So if you want to know where our authority is, where the authority of the church extends to, it has nothing to do with temporal power. Nothing to do with that. Temporal power is not the point of the authority of the church. The authority of the church is designed to take back for God's what is his. That we begin in an ever-widening circle to bring people into the kingdom of God. Ever-widening circle of bringing people into the kingdom of God. That is our authority to call what is of the Lord the Lord's and to call what's not of the Lord's not the Lord's. We have the power, according to Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 18, to bind and loose. We get to set the parameters for what our community looks like insofar as our desire is that it looks like the kingdom of God. It looks like what Jesus preached about. And that's the problem that we're in today, is that we've divested ourselves of all authority because we're more interested in our personal kingdom than we are in the kingdom of God as displayed through the church. That's why the church in America is in a very perilous position right now, because we have this rugged individualism that, you know what, the church can't tell me what to do, it doesn't have a pull on my life, it's just me and God, baby, and I'm going to run with it. And it's, 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 a, it's a concept that the New Testament just, just is furious with. John is sick of it. Paul is sick of it. Peter doesn't appreciate it. These guys are going, no, it's about your unity. It's about your community. It's about displaying the kingdom of God on earth and bringing more and more people into that kingdom, into that unity, into that place where they have fellowship with us and therefore they have fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. We have the authority to do God's work on this earth that's where our authority extends and 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 may i be so bold as to say our job is not to extend our authority into temporal power we tried that for about a thousand years that's why they had a reformation in the first place Our, our desire is not to to take over the world our desire is to take back what is god's and that's our that's our goal Jesus came to this earth proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning, I'm getting God's work rolling here. Are you ready to come with me? Are you ready to get the job done? Our authority is extended in that way. So what would it look like for you if the church was actually an authority in your life and not something else? And at this point, I have to admit that this is the place where it gets a little dicey. And I say that because right now, most of us are living in an individual kingdom. And we think we have that right because we've been ingrained with this concept of the priesthood of the believer. And I would never say that you don't have the right to commune with God at any place and any time. Okay, Nor can I take away your salvation if I don't like you, which is what people did in the Middle Ages. At least they said they did, right? That's not what we're here to do, but why this gets dicey is because the minute I look at a group of individualistic Americans and say, all right, let's all put ourselves under the authority of the church, the gloves come up, because the minute I tap on something that, that, that is close to your heart, you're going you're to shut the door and lock, lock it. It's done, because it's a scary concept, but let's get back to the, to the idea of the kingdom then. And hopefully by by running through the kingdom, we can avoid uh, the dicey situation that we're in. I believe if the church was truly the authority in our lives, then the central focus of our entire connection to the church would be towards the proclamation of the gospel with an eye towards the community. I'll say that again. I believe if we were truly in line if if we as individuals were truly in line with the concepts that jesus promotes of the kingdom of god then our involvement in the church would be based in the proclamation of the gospel with an eye towards bringing more and more people into the community of faith and i can't get away from that concept when you look at jesus's preaching on the kingdom in mark chapter four all of it is about exponential growth bringing more and more people into the kingdom and how do you do that? Well, Jesus is preaching on the kingdom. Jesus is preaching on the kingdom and his parables on the kingdom. You can almost put them in a bunch of categories. In order to do that, you, you really have to be very, very humble. Humility, childlike humility is necessary to have a kingdom-like community. You really can't want to lord it over others. You have, to, you have to stay in a place where everybody has a voice. You, a, 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 and most importantly, you have to proclaim that Jesus is the son of God and resurrected from the dead in order for this church community to have any power. The problem is, in our individualistic society, I mentioned, church is like a restaurant or a weekend retreat. Which one will I choose, and will I make the trip this weekend? The enjoyment of church is the primary aim of most of us. Did you hear me? The enjoyment of church is most of our primary aim. And that's how we divest ourselves of the authority of Jesus Christ. When the enjoyment of church becomes the primary aim of our church attendance, rather than it being promulgation or or the proclamation of the gospel with an eye torch, bringing people into the community. Most of us are here insofar as we enjoy here. And that's a problem. And that's the problem we have to overcome. That's the problem we have to overcome if we're to reclaim our authority in our community, with our neighbors. Because for most of us, there's this concept of, well, if I enjoy the preaching, and I enjoy the music, and I enjoy the classes, and I enjoy the the fun things and the fellowship things that we do, I'm connected to the church. But the minute uh, those things come in contact with things that I enjoy more, my time and my connection to the church uh, grows less and less and less so the, the minute I don't enjoy this place as much as I enjoy other things you won't see me anymore or the minute I don't enjoy this place as much as I, I enjoy some other places maybe I'll f- just find a new church but what if our primary aim was the proclamation of a gospel of the gospel with, the, with, the, with an eye towards bringing people into our community Does our enjoyment of the place even factor in that? Now, I I, I think church should be an enjoyable place. Don't get me wrong. If we were boring, tired, lazy, if the walls were falling down around us, if the music stunk, if the preaching was worse, I mean, really, none of us wants to be a part of that, right? Right? And we try to put people up here who play music well or preach well or, or sing well or proclaim the gospel well. We try to make this a place where we're all edified. That's not the point. The point is for you. We asked last week, how do you make the church more of an authority in your life? Well, this is where to start. Is this place or my prim- primary allegiance to the church based on my enjoyment of the church? Rather than me seeing it as a place from which I can proclaim the gospel, and bring more people into the community of Jesus Christ. That's when the church becomes the authority. In that moment, where the enjoyment is put on the back burner, and the proclamation of Jesus as the Son of God, and the resurrected Lord of all, is put on the front burner. That's why I said, don't, don't, don't we dare read just part of Ephesians without that part about the resurrection. And don't go back and read Matthew chapter 16 about the authority invested in the church unless you read it in the concept of the proclamation as Jesus is the anointed one, the son of God. Don't you do it. Because you don't have the church aside from the proclamation. That's what we exist to do and that's what we exist to be. We exist to be the kingdom community of Jesus Christ on earth who proclaim the glorious inheritance of the saints. That Jesus Christ has died for our sins, and has been resurrected for our justification, and that we have life in him eternal. And just because he's an awesome God, he's given us a community to walk out this life with where we try to take care of one another the way he intended human beings to take care of one another. What a glorious Lord we have. But when church becomes merely about the thing that I enjoy rather than the thing that I proclaim, we've missed something. Our job is to forge the strongest bonds of unity possible, I mean, just look at the word unity throughout the rest of the New Testament. The apostles, the people who walked and talked with Jesus were crazy about, about unity, were crazy about forgiveness being the, the mark of Christians, crazy about love being the mark of Christians. The idea that our community is something that the world looks at and goes, I don't know what that is, but, 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 but I think Jesus is there. If Jesus is who he says he is, that's what the church should look like right there. Love, unity, community, humility, radical forgiveness and grace. Those happen to be the concepts of the kingdom, by the way, and also the things that the apostles preach throughout the rest of the New Testament. That that's what it looks like. That's why I can't understand the concept of, well, I just had church at home this morning. I don't get that. That's like baking a cake in the dishwasher. It, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work at all. The church is the ecclesia, the assembly, the, the, the gathering of God's people. That we mutually edify one another and strengthen one another. That when we go out from this place, our goal is to proclaim the gospel with an eye towards bringing people into this community. But most of us have taken our concept of enjoyment and the priesthood of the believer to the point where we would say to ourselves, you know what, the church doesn't matter. It's, it's between me and Jesus, and I know I'm right with him. I know I'm cool with Jesus. Well, who told you so? Where's your, where's your accountability to tell you that you're moving in the right direction? Don't tell me you're having church at home. Read your Bible for five minutes and flip on Sports Center. Come on. You're not having church at home. And people who have stepped out of the church, and, 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 and Pastor Sidney and I lament this sometimes. We've seen people who, for one reason or another, have 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 moved out from the power of the church and they don't find another community it's just so sad they're missing it their concept of the priesthood of the believer has destroyed their concept of the authority of the church this is where you're to be mutually edified this is where you're to be made more like christ where i can look at don and say don i don't think that looked very christ-like Let's talk about that. I, I, I'm not trying to come down on you, but, but, but if, we're to have a, if we're to have an impact in this world, we've got to get that worked out. And Don can look at me and say, you're crazy. No, Don can look at me and say, let's talk about that. We are to be a community that builds one another up for a proclamation of the gospel with an eye towards the community, bringing people into the community of Jesus Christ. Now, we could go on and on with the concepts of the kingdom today. But I'm not going to do that because I don't want us to get off the primary aim this morning, which is simple. Are you making your church a place of authority in your life? Or is this a place you're here because you enjoy it? You get to choose. Because if you're here because you enjoy it, you won't be here forever. But if you're here because you recognize that, Jesus Christ has given the church the authority to do his work on the earth from now until his return and you get to have an awesome part in that. If You get to have an awesome part in that. Then the church is your authority. Now, did you hear anything this morning about submitting to your pastors? That's another sermon for another day. Did, did you hear anything uh, this morning about us, you know, coming into your home and uh, telling, uh, telling you what television shows you could watch? Did you get any of that this morning? No. No. That's Pharisaical. It's not who we are. Okay? Our goal is to get you in a place where you say, This community is what I submit myself to. This community. And so if this community is moving, north we're going north and if this community is moving west we're going west but we are going to win people to jesus christ because we are fulfilling the work of jesus on the earth today as a church that's the central idea today i was talking to a guy this week and he recently gave his life to the lord and uh it was a very sad conversation because he was telling me you know i just am not feeling the draw to church anymore I went through this conversation with him for a while. And in essence, I recognized what was going on. The world was pulling at him. There were other things. His friends were not Christians. Their their activities were not Christian. And he just wanted to engage in those rather than to engage in the body of Christ. And so I just said, I hate to lose you because I know that God has amazing things to do through your life. And I, he wrote back to me, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And I wrote back to him because I was ready to say this community is the place where God transforms your life and makes you into the person God designed you to be. And I wrote back and I said, we, we were IMing, by the way, That my generation, we can have conversations that way, by the way. And I said, IMing is probably an old, old way to put it, but I just said to him, I said, what part will you believe when you see and he logged off. Now, I'm not done with that, young man. (laughs) But I thought, you know what? It's very simple. You're scared of what the church will do to you if you keep coming here and what it will require of you, what it will demand of you. But I want to tell you the things that the church as a community is requiring, demanding is the very thing that God has put you on the earth to do. The very thing that you were created for. To be transformed into the image of the Son of God and to proclaim his good news to all. To live in the community that he designed for his glory. He's going to hear that from me in words that a young man will understand. But I want to tell you today, God has a transforming work and an amazing work to do in your life. Will you stay submitted to what the church is? We stay submitted to the authority that God has placed over you. Let's pray. If today you want to take the really bold step of saying, you know what, I recognize that my church life is based in exactly the, the wrong place, Matt yes, I'm here to do God's work, I know that, but my connection to this place and and my connection to the church is merely based in how much I enjoy it, and I recognize that today, and it cut me to the heart, and I'm not expecting today that that 200 people will respond to this, that's that's not the goal, but if you say God's working on my heart today, and I recognize that that I've been viewing the church in the wrong way, that, that this is God's good for me on this earth, and I'm to submit my life to the community that does his work, and I haven't been. If that's you today, would you take the bold step of just standing in your seat, standing right where you're at and saying, God, I'm committing to you. This is not about my enjoyment. This is about your authority in my life. Now, wait just a moment, because that's between you and the Lord. It has nothing to do necessarily with you and me. But if you say, I I, I recognize that I'm missing it. I'm here only so far as I enjoy it. It's about the proclamation of the gospel. Thank you for your boldness this morning. Is there anybody else in this place this morning that goes, you know what, Matt, the church is not about my enjoyment. I know that. I try to do work for, for the Lord. But I recognize today that I need to make a change in the way I view this place, that it's, it's not quite right. I need, to, I need to make a change here in who I am, in my commitment to this place, and I know that. I need to change my, my attitude and my commitment to my church. If that's you this morning, would you take that bold step and stand? I know it's, I know it's me. I know I've got to change my commitment level to this place. Not, not because victory life is all in all, but because Christ is all in all. Jesus, this is a tough thing to admit, and it's a tough thing to stand in this morning. But Lord, some of us in this place need to reassess where we stand in regards to the authority that you've given your church. Some of us, Lord, are still wrestling with these concepts this morning. We don't like it. We don't appreciate it. It's not something that we intended to hear this morning. But Lord, I pray that we would pursue you with a humble heart. and Say, God, I want to step back under your authority because you placed it in my life, that my life might be maximized in its potential for the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray that each one of us would in a real way, say, God, is there an authority in my life besides me? In my own kingdom, my own spiritual direction. And if there's not, Lord, may we in our spirit today submit ourselves to you and submit ourselves to your church. Those of you standing, you may be seated this morning. This was between you and God and not the people sitting behind you. And Lord, I pray that today a switch will turn in so many of our heads that we would recognize, Lord, that together we have the power of the gospel. And apart, we're missing it. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to discern these words by your Wisdom and your grace today with open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.